everyone, and welcome to the Reformed Dissenters. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to us or watching us. My name is Bruce Johnson. I am joined here in South Dakota with my good buddy, Joseph Lassiter. Hello. And we are joined by my brother in Pennsylvania, Jacob Johnson. Hello. All right. And uh, yes, so remember you can uh, always share links. Um, you can share our show by going to our website, which is trdshow.net, where you can find a list of links to all of the many platforms that we are on. So I would definitely love it if you could share this show with as many people as you can. And you can do that very easily, like I said, by sharing our website, which again is trdshow.net. Um, so you can share that. We're really trying to grow our audience, working really hard at that. We've got a lot of programs in the background that we'd like to do. Um, and that you uh, are a huge part of helping us do that. So thank you so much. Uh, you can email the show at trdshow at protonmail.com. Again, that's trdshow at protonmail.com. And when we introduce again our TRD community question this week, um, the email uh, TRD show at protonmail.com is a big part of that. So make sure you email us your answers. We would love to hear from you. Um, if you're interested in hearing us do deep dives into some of the current events that we talked about on the show, you have to follow us on our pro First Amendment platforms, and that includes Gab, Gab TV, Rumble, and Odyssey. Make sure you follow us on those platforms to get uncensored episodes of the show. Um, but uh, yes, we are also on YouTube and some of the other podcast platforms as well. So sure, you can do that. But we'd really love to see you on our uh, uncensored pro First Amendment platforms. Uh, all right. As a reminder, our theme this month is, um, and unfortunately, here we go. This is uh, this is one of those. This is one of those weeks. This is our very last week with this theme. I know, so sad. Um, but our theme this month is, uh, what is the realm and authority of Caesar? What is the realm and authority of Caesar? And this is our last week with this theme. It's been great, and we're certainly going to come back and revisit this. Um, probably in the next couple of months, because this month, what we read, uh, the, our literature of the month was uh, God and Government by um, Gary DeMar, volume one, but he's got two more volumes, volumes two and three, that we'll probably be reading at a later point on the show. So stay tuned for that. All right, what are we going to do today? Let's uh, have a bit of a show breakdown. Uh, first, we're going to start out, as we always do, talking about the current events of the week. A lot happens in a week, so we're going to break all of that down. Um, and talk about some of those current events. After that, we're going to move on to the literature of the month, which, like I said earlier, is God and Government, Volume 1 by Gary DeMar. Again, so sad. This is our last week uh, with this book. So, But um, we got a lot to say this week. There, there, It was a big topic, so we're very excited. Um, and finally, we're going to be talking about our TRD community questions. So we heard from a few of you, um, which was nice. So we'll be briefly talking about what we heard from you. And um, we'll be introducing the next community question. But before we get to all of those very cool things, we also have one very cool thing we have to do first, which is we have to talk about our verse of the week. And this week, the verse we selected was Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 all the way through 22. Um, and those verses are, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. And again, that's Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 22. So that's a really important verse. Um, and we've stated this so many times on the show. You know, people, unfortunately, a whole host of Christians like to, you know, put God in a box, essentially. They like to separate. They'll say, there's the secular world, then there's the sacred world, right? And so we have the church, family, individual, those three governments are all under Christ, right? I don't think many churches will deny that. And then you'll have the fourth government created by God, the civil government. And unfortunately, many Christians today um, will say that the civil government is not part of that uh, uh, overarching theme of, of being under Christ, right? It's not being ruled by scripture. 
And unfortunately, we see that a lot today from, from Christians. So this verse clearly speaks out against that. Um, all things are under his feet. He's the head over all things through the church, um, not only in this age, but in the one to come. Um, he's above every power. He's above, uh, he's been given all authority. He's over all authority, over all powers and dominions, over every name. Um, it's very inclusive <laughs> of everything in this world is under Christ. So we need to make sure that we, that we remember that. All right. So uh, getting into our next segment, the current events breakdown. Uh, let's start with you, Jake. Let's talk, uh, hear what you have to say about the current events this week. Alrighty, so I'm going to do a little bit different than what I've been doing. I'm not only going to say the headline, but I'm also going to give my opinion on the headline because I think in order for Bruce and Joe to make a give their own opinions, they need a little bit more information. Uh, so oh. the headline is, GOP Senate candidate says the greatest crisis facing kids is they don't have enough God in their lives. Wow. This headline is specifically about jo Josh Mandel, an, an Ohio senator, who believes that we should not run away from trying to bring our culture back, uh, sorry, bring God back into government. There is no separation from church and state. And that is nowhere in the Constitution. Hmm. Yep. Uh, this That was a basic paraphrase of what Josh Mandel uh, said in many um, uh, debates. Nice. And um, <clears throat> so he, he definitely is a very strong Christian who thinks we should bring our country back wow. to Christian principles. Wow. Um, and that's, the majority... you know, that's really cool too, because, um, the, uh, you know, what we're going to be talking about in the literature of the month ties directly into that, that separation of church and state. Right. So that's, that's so cool to hear. And you said that was a Senator. Yes. Ohio wow. Senator. Very cool. Um, the majority, if not all of the articles and videos that, uh, I found about this person all saying that what he believes and what he says is, is crazy. And no one <laughs> should course. ever listen to him. Uh, wow. So I guess the reformed dissenters will be the first one to say he's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, awesome. The news media likes to say that the First Amendment is about separation between church and state. Mm. However, if we look at the wording in the First Amendment, uh, and here here's the First Amendment, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohib prohibiting the free exercise thereof. This can be highly misconstrued and does not mean or say that someone who believes in Christianity cannot be in politics or bring their ideals and religion into government. Mm, yeah. And if we look at the reason the founders did this, um, because back before the Constitution... Uh, the states were creating laws saying that individuals had to attend church and not only any church, but a specific denomination. Uh, this was what the founders were, were trying to stop. Hmm. And yeah. if we look at a world, uh, hold on, sorry. Um, so to say there should be no religion in politics is, is impossible. Yeah. Because every belief system, and everyone has a belief system, is in a sense its own religion. Hmm. This is an aspect of faith. In there, there is an aspect of faith in every religion, in every belief system. Sorry, the government is not supposed to impose its will on the church. However, the church can and should impose the word of God on the state. Hmm. The church yeah. should be calling the government back to God's word. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Thank you, Jake. That was, that's really good to, to keep track of. And uh, we're going to be talking a lot more going into a lot, uh, a lot of depth when it comes to the literature of the month. Um, that's a huge, huge topic. Um, and that's a really important one. So thanks for breaking that down. Very exciting to hear that, uh, there's at least one Senator out there who understands, um, what that separation actually is. And very exciting to hear that he's speaking out in a public, in the public square, about these sorts of things. So that's that should bring some encouragement. Uh, yeah. Was, that, uh, was so, that your current events or you have? 
I do have one more article cool. that I wanted to talk about. This is a little bit of a smaller topic, but I don't think it's any less important. Um, but the headline is the hidden symbols and messages in Squid Game. Hmm. Now, wow. this is a very highly contentious topic. So for uh, for those um, however, who, don't, who may not know, could you just explain um, Squid Game? I mean, it we've heard of it, but it's a TV series, right? Not a movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, Squid Game is recently. a very violent, very violent show mm. that portrays a lot of people dying in it for the amusement of the elites. Mm. So and it's kind of like so, Hunger Games in a way, I guess. Yes, in in that the premise is basically the same okay. but the, the images and things that are shown in it are completely overblown like okay. it, there are way more images of gore violence and terrible things and so i'm basically bringing the point that is this something us as Christians should be watching? Hmm. Yeah. Um, good. good uh, and question. I, I want to I bring up the verse, Philippians 4, 8 through 9, which says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, mm. whatever is honorable, whatever yes. is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Mm. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Hmm. So nice. I, I just really good wanted verse. to bring up Yeah. I just wanted to bring up many questions. Just if there is anybody who thinks that Christians should watch this kind of stuff not not should, but is Christians are okay to watch this kind of stuff. I would be a little bit concerned <laughs> because if we look at what is in here, yeah, and this article specifically says that this kind of show and this kind of uh, thing will desensitize people. Hmm. Yeah. 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 And, and I, th I think that's kind of the same discussion we were having um, last week about. Uh, you know about video games like violent video games it's it's kind mm -hmm. of the same um same thing although i think different uh, arguments could be made about that but yeah what what's sad well i i think it's very similar in argumentation but i think it definitely depends on the heart issue mm. and especially with video games i do think there are games that if if you look at them the the only thing in them is violence yeah. And I don't think that is that is good at all. But I do think it should depend on the person's heart because that is what God cares about. Yeah. He mm -hmm. does care about the physical, not to say that he doesn't, but I think that that's a very uh, a very specific thing that should be brought up especially in the argumentation of this this kind of topic. Yeah, for well, sure. What's sad is that's kind of one of the uh, I can't remember, but it's kind of the top leading TV shows at the moment because it's mm, it's new. Yeah. It's it's not from the America. Mm -hmm. It's from um, where was it made at? Do you remember what Japan? That? I think right or Korea? One of those. Yep. It's it's crazy. Yeah, Asia. It was made in Asia. Yeah. It's it's that big of a topic, and if you are right, and if it's if it leads to desensitizing, that's not really good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, especially, especially in the majority of the advertising for this show, it looks like this show is based and uh, directed towards children. Wow. Wow. Because a lot of the, um, like if you'll see advertising uh, posters or something, a lot of them are just showing this one baby face. Mm. And yeah. It, and then the villains in the show look look like um, Power Ranger villains. <laughs> they don't they don't look mm. like menacing villains that you would typically see in in right. a, an Avengers show or something. Yeah, Marvel. But um, so it 
and if parents look at it, they'll be like, oh, I don't see anything wrong with this. Mm. And yeah, but the that can become a problem. Right. And I do think, especially with young and impressionable minds, that that's definitely a hard, hard thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, thanks. uh, Thanks, Jake, for sharing that. Anything else you want to add before we move on to Joe? Nope. That was it. All right. Thank you very much, Joe. All right. I got two headlines this week, and fortunately, they're shorter. Well, I don't know if that's fortunate or not. But anyway, uh, the first one is parents say Florida school used rope to tie mask on their nonverbal special needs daughter. Wow. They used a rope. Mm-hmm. Wow. To keep it on her. Wow. And this was without the parents' knowledge. Wow. Yes. So, Sophia Steele is seven and has Down syndrome and has an enlarged tongue, which puts her at serious risk while wearing a mask. Wow. It's crazy. Wow. Her parents thought that she had an exemption from wearing the mask until one day she came home wearing the mask and the school forgot to take the mask off of her. Wow. With the rope. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's crazy. It's ugh. Wow. It's another mask. Yeah. Now yeah, wasn't her... there wasn't there a law in Florida which was saying you can't the school can't create a mandate. That's what a I mask mandate. That's what I had thought too. Wow. Yeah. This was in Florida. Mm-hmm. Wow. This was in Florida. Sorry, I missed that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Man. I think it does say in the article that this was an illegal mask mandate. Mm. This um, what they were doing was illegal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. But anyway, um, now her family is pursuing legal action. Nice. It's crazy. Wow, that and is that, that's insane. Yeah, those masks are they can hold a lot of bacteria. Mm. Yeah. Yep. All right. Um, the next. Um, topic i have is the cdc travel announcements cdc quarantine officers will now spot check travelers for compliance to rules <laughs> wow there are some expectations to the new requirements I, i'm reading word for word for this article here uh children under the age of eight or under the age of 18 and people from countries experiencing a shortage of covid19 vaccines will be exempt from providing proof of vaccine. Beginning of November 8th, foreign travelers described as non-immigrant adults traveling to the U.S. will have to be fully vaccinated. Wow, that's crazy. It's crazy. All travelers will have to be tested before boarding a plane to the U.S., Tighten restrictions for American and foreign citizens not fully vaccinated will be in place. Wow. That is insane. That is the epitome of government overreach. Like, not allowing people to travel. Not allowing private companies to take the people that they would ordinarily take, right? And restricting them based on what's injected into their body or not. That is the epitome of government overreach <sighs> utterly insane and yet we have what two countries now that have gone completely covid free or covid mandate free hmm i think is that right I, i'm not i'm not positive i'm not up on current data which uh which companies have mandates and which don't right now but yeah yeah i'm not i'm not i yeah no i can't speak to that i'm, I'm not certain whether or not um sweden um uh, reinstitute or, or instituted mass mandates and vaccine mandates. I think they did vaccine mandates and they didn't do vaccine ma- or uh, mass mandates last year. So, but yeah, I'm not, not entirely positive on what it's currently like. Any other, uh, articles? Uh, I just had those two. So. Cool. All right. Well, thank you for sharing Joe. You're um, anything else you want to add Jake or before we move on? Nope. Cool. All right. Um, so my, uh, first article I have, three articles <laughs> I'm, trying, wow. I'm gonna try to get through these but um pairing down today huh i am pairing it down there's there's a lot that happened and i think these are really important to talk about so um let's see okay so the first one the the title is a little 
is a little funny. Um, and I'll get into a little bit more of what that means. But the title is um, Bill to Kill Zombie Federal Programs. And that's in quotes. Zombie Federal Programs is a, quote, no-brainer, uh, according to Senator Ernst. Um, so Senator Joni Ernst, who's a Republican senator uh, for Iowa, says there are far too many failed federal programs that should have been killed long ago and adopting her proposal to make sure that happens in the future should be should be a and this is her quote no-brainer for congress the iowan uh iowa republican told reporters during an october 28th news conference that we have a zombie apocalypse here in washington dc as we have found that there are so many taxpayer dollars that have been buried in government programs that we're not we're not utilizing so we want to bury these zombie programs for good. That's her quote. Uh, Ernst pointed to three examples of federal programs that were established for specific purposes. Before I go on, I, I do want to say that this is, when, whenever this happens, and this happens two or three times a year, um, a Republican, or sometimes it's, you know, Democrats have sometimes stepped up. It's rare, but it's, it's happened on occasion. We'll step up and say, hey, um, did you guys know there's money going to this? Uh, did you know there's $3 billion going to this program that nobody's using, uh, which is what Ernst is about to get into. Um, and, uh, it is eye-opening to us and it should make us realize just how far we are from God's word. And it should embolden us to say, wow, I can't believe that's happening. That's clearly wrong. That's the, they're, they, the civil government is the justice division of society. That's it. No more. Um, we need to figure out what else they're doing that they're not supposed to be doing. If $3 billion is going to this thing, uh, who knows how much money is going to these other things. So we need to dig into this. So it should encourage us to do that. So uh, here are, uh, let's see, Ernst pointed to three examples of federal programs that were established for specific purposes, um, were given substantial appropriations of tax dollars to carry out those purposes, and then simply lay dormant without returning the funds to the treasury to be spent where needed. The, uh, and th this is her quote, the U.S. Enrichment Corporation Fund fulfilled its mission decades ago, over 20 years ago, and yet there is still $1.5 billion in that fund. So it hasn't been used in 20 years. It was fulfilled. You know, it did its mission. Now, we could argue that that mission was unnecessary, and it probably was. Um... But there's still $1.5 billion in that fund that just isn't getting used. Uh, Ernst said uh, second, her, her second thing that she found, the, the Presidential Election Campaign Fund. Um, and she said, I had a bill on this earlier this year. It hasn't supported a candidate in years, yet we have $400 million just sitting idle in that fund right now. $400 million. Wow. Um, Ernst. Ernst's uh, third example of a zombie federal program is the Affordable Care Act's ACA, multiple state plan, multi-state plan, sorry. And her quote is, it costs tens of millions of tax dollars to set up and administer, and yet we don't provide any coverage to any state through that plan. So I wanted to bring this up because these are some, just a few, of the probably thousands of examples of government, not just overreach, but theft Right? They've stolen this money, and they're not using it for what God has allowed them to use it for. So, um, yeah, just wanted to bring that up because I think did, it's important. Go ahead. Did I hear that there's some money there that's just sitting there? Yeah, it's all of them. All of them are just all of these things that I just said. Let's see, $400 million, $1.5 billion, uh, and then tens of millions and, and imagine, just sitting there. Imagine how if we actually took that money and put it on our national debt. Yeah, we could yeah. have done. We could do something great with it. For sure, for sure. Or yeah, yep, absolutely. Um, all right. My next headline: Ohio and eleven states sue Biden administration over abortion funds. I'm gonna repeat that because it's it's so exciting, and I want to drive this point home. Ohio, and Jake actually mentioned Ohio earlier today. Uh, so Ohio, man, jeesh. You wouldn't think of Ohio as being the, uh, you know, one of the states that would actually stand up and fight some of these fights, but uh, it's interesting. They're, they're yeah. fighting some of these things. They're finally stepping up to fight the good fight. Indeed they are. Indeed. Um, so Ohio and 11 states <laughs> sue the Biden administration over abortion 
funds. Um, and so Ohio on Monday filed a lawsuit against the Biden administration, which had recently allowed taxpayer dollars to be used by clinics to support abortions. The lawsuit, led by Ohio Attorney General uh, Dave Yost, is joined by 11 other states. The states are seeking to restore the Trump administration rule so that medical clinics cannot obtain funding from Title X, which is a federal grant program. Um, they can't obtain that funding toward and, and use it um, toward performing or referring abortions. The Department of Health and Human Services under President Donald Trump in 2019 issued a rule that prohibits the use of Title X funds to perform, promote, refer, uh, refer for, or support abortion as a method of family planning. Wow. Family planning. I, it, it gets me every time they use that phrase. You're planning your family by murdering your family. I don't... Yeah. It blows my mind. It does. I, I... It does. Can't you call it something different. You call murder something different, and now it's okay. Um, when you run on emotion instead of logic and the truth of God's word, that's what you get. You can call it something different, and now it makes you feel all warm and fuzzy inside, and so that's okay. You don't get a knee-jerk reaction emotionally, so eh, let's move on. It's okay. Can't be murder. I don't feel that bad about it. The rule also requires clear financial and physical separation between Title X and non-Title X activities. The Biden administration on October 4th revoked the Trump-era rule, of course they did because they're murderers, such that starting November 8th, clinics receiving federal funds will be allowed to refer pregnant women for abortions, baby murder. So Biden administration murders babies. That's the end result. All right, anything you guys want to add before I move on to the next and final article? Nope. Cool. All right. Um, nope. Okay. Final article. Shipping problems to persist through 2022 amid supply chain crisis, according to economics. Uh, or economists. Ah, I haven't had to say it. that word before. E economists. Economic. E yeah, whatever. The people who study economics. There we go. Woohoo. Okay. Um, <laughs> economists. I have to say it again. Here we go. All right. Economists. I'm going to just assume that's right. Expect shipping problems at large ports in the United States, as well as the subsequent shortage in goods and price increases to persist into the middle of 2022 amid the ongoing supply chain crisis. Roughly 77 ships are currently waiting outside docks in the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach, California, carrying a staggering, you guys ready for this, $24 billion dollars worth of goods waiting to be offloaded 24 billion dollars because the government paid people not to work paid them to stay home that's about 250,000 oh sorry joe what do you want to say something that's a lot of unemployed and yeah. a lot of stuff that or you said that was a amount of goods <clears throat> uh, that's goods, not yep 20 24 billion dollars that hasn't been um unloaded yep or, Yep. That's a lot. Uh, indeed. Indeed. About 250,000. Our, our government Our government does not like to do anything with money, do they? <laughs> it likes like, to take it. They well, they they spend more money than they they spend money unwisely. Yes. Yes. Very unwisely. Yep. They need to take a banking class. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they need to take a course in biblical economics and realize that it's not their job to do this. I mean, this is a perfect example of what happens when a a, a system, a, a an office, a God-ordained office, the civil government, does what it's not supposed to do. Steps outside its bounds and tries to take on things that it was never created to do, such as managing an economy. Not the government's job. Nope. Get out. That's not your job. Um, okay, so about 250,000 containers of goods are currently stacked up on the docks due to delayed pickups from chassis, chassis shortages. Oh, wow. And a lack of space in rail yards and warehouses. This is causing dozens of ships to back up at anchor, uh, back up at anchor outside the ports. And, um, this is, uh, this is an across the board commitment. Uh, this is what fake president Biden stumbled through in a speech, I guess you'd call it. Um, this is an across the board commitment to going to going to 24 seven. 
Biden said after meeting with the CEOs of several companies, adding that we need the rest of the private sector chain to step up as well. So he's, he's, I mean, the people controlling him are, are calling on the people of the private sector to step up like that. that that's what they're saying here. That's, those are their words. Step up to the plate, people. We need you to, we need you to step up to the plate here where it's your fault that we're in this situation. You pay people to stay home and not work. And you are the one who forced companies to inject experimental chemicals into their employees. And if they didn't get those experimental injections, they had to leave, right? You're the one who caused this work shortage. And now you're pretending like it's, it's the private sector's fault. This is the most backhanded, ridiculous garbage I've ever heard from a fake president ever. Uh, fake President Biden also threatened on October 13th to call out private companies who failed to assist his administration and step up to address global supply chain bottlenecks. Wow. Wow. There, there are no words. There are no words for this level of insanity and ridiculousness. All right. Anything like uh, anything else you guys would like to add before we move on to the literature of the month? Other than this is quite a quick show that's going on right now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's a lot to talk about, but it's also um, you know we're we're getting we're getting through them. So. All right. So, moving on to our literature of the month, uh, God and Government, Volume One by Gary Demar. This is our last week. It's so sad. This is our last week with this book. Third time this has happened. It's just like it's like months are going by or something. It's unfortunate. Um, so this week, I just we... have to say, like chapter nine and ten that we just read this week, yeah. have been very, very interesting. Oh yeah, and I think Lots there's a lot of content in them that we could spend an entire another show on it. But yes, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, I mean, you could fill you know, hours worth of, of content with what was in those chapters. So what we'll be doing today is, is definitely summarizing a lot of it. Um, so, you know, I, I, and I've said this before, I think I said this at the beginning of the month and maybe halfway through, uh, but make sure that you've gotten a copy of this book. Uh, we linked it on our Gab page so you can buy it from Amazon or uh, actually if you go to his website, which is escaping my mind right now, I might put it up on screen. Oh, AmericanVision.org, I think. Um, I think it's .org. But anyways, I'll put the link up on screen. So if you're watching, you can see it. And hopefully I'll link it in the description as well. So you can look for that. And if you don't find it, send me an email for a link to Gary DeMar's website, American Vision. Um, but yeah, we, we, we always encourage you to, to get a copy of the book we're reading and, and read along with us. Um, as you know, as a show, the Reformed Dissenters, we want to introduce you not just to news articles and current events and new principles. We want to introduce you to principled literature as well. So that's that's part of it. So if you don't have a copy of this book already, I would highly encourage you to grab a copy and read through volume one. Um, and specifically, I would read through chapters nine and ten right here because it, it really tackles some very, very interesting things that we're going to be summarizing in today's conversations. Um, all right. So as always, we do this in a question, question and answer format. So our first question is, what did you find most interesting about the chapters? And Jake, let's have you start it off. All right. So this this links with kind of what I was saying in my headline, but I go a little I'm, I'm going to go a little bit more in depth on that whole subject of separation between church and state. Cool. So something I think what is interesting here, as we come to the issue of separation between church and state, uh, is that the founders didn't believe believe that principle, at least to the extent that that the people now mm, or, uh, in the, the way that now the people take now. it. Yep. Right. Right. And many other people, a little while after the founders, didn't believe it either. Mm. Uh, one example of this is Abraham Lincoln. Yes. Uh, Mr. DeMar puts a quote in his book by Lincoln, which is a day of national humiliation, fasting, and prayer. Hmm. And as DeMar says earlier, uh, many of the founders in speeches asked also for prayer. Uh, hmm. Now, yeah. one might ask, how can there be a separation between church and state if the political leaders are asking for religious prayer? Well, that answer is very simple, because 
there is no separation between church and state. <laughs> Demar shows us this wording and how that the people use it is false. He says in the book that the source of confusion comes from our tendency to employ the words church and religion as synonyms. Hmm, to maintain that there must be a separation between church and state does not necessarily mean there must be a separation between religion and state. Yes. From what we already know now is that there are four uh, governments set out in the Bible. The individual, the family, the church, and the state. Hmm. Now, yep. we do believe there is a separation between church and state because there are two different government governmental entities. However, there is not a separation between religion and state. Nice. Nice. Thank you, Jake. Very cool. Yeah, good to make that distinction, and we're going to be talking about that a lot today. So that's really good to lay the lay the framework, lay the foundation for that for that discussion. So awesome. Thank you. Um, all right, Joe. I mainly just want to echo on the aspect of not really the separation of church and state, but in chapter eight, we we I believe it was chapter eight. We talked about how church and state were supposed to be unequal so there really wasn't supposed to be a separation between church and state and i mean even our our state legislatures currently they still have um a pastor or a priest come Mm. in and pray before the the um I'm trying to think of what it's called yeah. right now. Session but before, or... yeah, before sen- session even starts every day. So it, it's pretty, pretty clear that at least in our state is an example of why we need Christ in the yeah. Bible in the in the base of our our politics, our people. Yeah, our interactions laws. in government or in civil government. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. I, I think I think definitely if you look at the wording of separation between church and state, I think we would kind of believe that, you know, because absolutely, especially if you think of church, church as a another government, right, uh, set out by by God, and it's how, the same. I think it's the same separation that you see, um, you know, when you talk about separation of family and and state separation of family and church you know like they are their own unique yeah. uh spheres with their own unique responsibilities all equal but all under christ which is i think mm-hmm. the really important yeah. takeaway mm-hmm. sorry jake go, go yeah. ahead <laughs> no yeah that's that's the point i was making but yeah. that the separation between church and state for us would mean they're two separate governmental entities Mm. And we have to treat them as such. We're, they're, they're not, it's not that, what this is saying is not that um, we're separating the ideals of the church mm. from the state, yeah. but we are separating the church government from the civil government. Yes. And I, I do believe another quote from Damar from another pastor but um, the other pastor was talking about um, how the um, how the wording there was actually supposed to be when when Jeff when Jefferson said it was supposed to be um, church as a um, physical church, mm. not church as in ideals of the church right right well he was writing to a group of uh baptist denomination that wrote to him first and said hey uh we're we're really nervous that the civil government is going to shut down our church um they were nervous that that uh, the civil government was going to take sides against a denomination and take like action against the denomination right and jefferson essentially was was make you know he was actually like saying, hey, um, no, that's not how this works uh, <laughs> with the system of government that we created. You know, we have protections against that. You know, that's why the First Amendment exists so that it's a protection for the church. It's to say, you know, here, we can't shut you down because we don't like your particular viewpoint on the Bible. Right. We don't take sides um, on scripture. 
in, in that in that way, shutting down Baptists over Presbyterians over those sorts of things. So, yeah. Right. Yep. Cool. All right. Uh, anything else you guys wanted to add before I give my answer? <laughs> cool. <clears throat> All right. So again, the question is, what did you find most interesting about the chapters? Um, in the beginning of chapter nine, Gary DeMar spent a considerable amount of time talking about the roles of the societal spheres of the church and civil government. <clears throat> he started by stressing the fact that most of the founding fathers were very clearly Christian and that their moral and godly convictions played an enormous role in developing the once great nation of America. Then he added to this by stressing the fact that it's impossible for an entity to be religiously neutral. DeMar said on page 168 that it is impossible to separate religion from anything. Some religious or moral system is giving meaning to all laws and court decisions, no matter how loudly legislatures may protest that they are being religiously neutral. Uh, end quote. Because of this, it's very, uh, it's vitally important that every sphere of government in society be fulfilling their roles as ordained by God. So the individual, the family, the church, civil government, they all need to be uh, equal, and we've said this many times, equal under Christ. <clears throat> On page 169, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, DeMar began to break down the roles of the church and civil government. In regards to the church, he said, and this is his quote, the God-given jurisdiction of the church is to carry out the great commission of disciplining, baptizing, and educating the nations. Um, and then he quotes uh, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, which says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Damar added that the church's task is a ministry of grace. <clears throat> when discussing the roles of the civil government, Damar said, uh, and this is his quote again, the God-given jurisdiction of the state is the administration of justice. For example, the punishing of the lawless and the protection of the law abiding, end quote. He listed Romans 13, 4, which, uh, which says the state is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid for he does not bear the sword in vain. End quote. Gary DeMar brought this point home by bringing up the distinctions between Moses and Aaron in Israel's time. He said, and this is his quote, Moses had a special task to perform, which was basically judicial in nature. He was the one who would judge between two disputants. <clears throat> and then he quotes Exodus 18, 16, which says, when the people have a dispute, it comes to me and I judge between a man and his neighbor and make known the statutes of God and his law. The work of Aaron, the priest, had a different emphasis. Aaron and the priests were to govern the religious affairs of the nation, end quote. So that distinction, <clears throat> they've both been given, and we've said this multiple times, all three of us, um, they've both been given separate jobs, separate duties and responsibilities. And But, but the important thing is, though, who have they been given those responsibilities by? Right, God gave all spheres of government their roles, gave them what they're allowed to do, told them what they're allowed to do. So if they go against that, they're going against God, right? So it's not that the civil government should be so separate from religion that it doesn't obey God's word anymore. That's actually the exact opposite of what God is commanding. So, and, and that's not what the constitution originally meant either. And we're going to get into that a little bit further later on. All right, moving on. Uh, next question. What did you find most surprising? Something you hadn't considered that way before. So like we say all the time, you know, this could be something, yep, I'm familiar with this, but uh, I really like the way that Gary DeMar stated this. So I wanted to bring this up. So Jake, let's have you kick it off. So for me, this would fall into the vein of something I never thought of before that uh, maybe I, I've read <laughs> over this part of the Bible, but when DeMar explained this small point, I, uh, it was like, oh yeah, wow, I didn't notice that. But um, something interesting and something I didn't think of before was that the different tribes of Israel filled different roles in the government system. Hmm. How Moses was the head over the state or civil matters. How, how Aaron was the was over the church and more religious matters. And then Demar also says that the Levites were in control of sacrificial matters. 
nice. So that was just something that was interesting, thought I would bring up, and definitely yeah. something I hadn't thought of before. Very cool. Thank you. Yeah, that's very, very informative. All right, Joe? Uh, in Chapter 9, on page 163, Damar states that Scripture, not scripture not history must be our final authority and i was i i was like i i like that statement yeah i I really really had Mm -hmm. to like i have to say this because it struck me like yeah it's true and really our our society is not is not um accepting scripture anymore as the only word truth of god um his his example for our his verse to back this up was Isaiah eight twenty, and it says, "To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to his word, it is because there is no light in them." Hmm. And and we tend to talk about how we are dissenters; we are the salt and light of the world. Yes. And it's if this isn't another example of us as a society has lost our salty. No, hmm. this is a. Yeah, another example of how we have lost our saltiness and our light for yes. the world because we have allowed this pagan nation to come in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you, Joe. You're welcome. <clears throat> Very cool. All right, um, my answer for this question, I'm going to kind of continue my thought from the previous question. So this is this is a little shorter um, than my last question. I really spilled out a lot into that one but it's kind of a continuation of that um while outlining the biblical view of the separation between church and state damar listed two additional examples that i really wanted to at least mention because i think it's important that we know that there's not just moses and aaron moses and aaron were were good examples but there's so much more there's there are a lot more examples of this biblical separation um, on page 172, Gary DeMar added the examples of, and keep in mind, these are very hard names to pronounce, so I'm going to do my best here. Um, Amariah, the chief priest, um, and then Zebediah, the ruler of the house of Judah, who was to take on kingly responsibilities. He added that they were both bound by the law. That's 2 Chronicles 19, verse 10. So that's an example two separate offices handling two distinct duties church state but they're both bound by the law and you can go to second chronicles 19 10 to um to get some more context on that so uh gary demar uh continued on page 173 by saying and this is his quote in old testament israel there were both political and religious duties King Saul usurped the jurisdiction of the priests by offering sacrifices. And that's, uh, you can look that up, 1 Samuel 13, 9. The common element between the two offices was the law of God. So King Saul overstepped his bounds. He was offering sacrifices, right? That's not his job. That was the priest's job. That was the church's job. Um, so that was... Not, not good of him to do that. So so that's another example of that. All right. Final question. Um, what part of the reading do you think most applies to the theme of the month? And as a reminder, last month with this theme. But our theme is, what is the realm and authority of Caesar? And uh, Jake, we'll have you answer that. All righty. So the realm and authority of Caesar is not to separate the church but to protect it. The majority of Christians today do not understand what the First Amendment actually means. The First Amendment is not creating a separation of church and state, but actually protecting the church from the possible threat of the civil government. Hmm. And I even would say that the church should be involved in the government, because without the church getting involved in political affairs, (laughs) things can become very immoral very fast. Yep. So I would argue that the civil government stays out of the church's dealings, but the church can and should get involved in the civil government's dealings to make sure the civil government is following God's word. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. And I'm going to talk about that as well. So glad you brought that up. (laughs) Excellent segue. Um, That getting involved is a specific kind of getting involved. Um, So I, I like that you... 
um, that you went there, you started, set that up. That's, that's really cool. Um, yeah, we can delve into that a little bit and I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on this as well. Um, so I, I wanted to start by talking a little bit about the relationship between the church and the state. On page 174, DeMar talks about how the state should not get involved until people begin to break God's law. He discussed the sacrificing of children to the false god Moloch, I think that's how you say it, that occurred during Israel's time, and said, this is his quote, this was a religious ceremony but it was to be terminated by the state. So this is an example of the, of the state getting involved in a, you can say, quote-unquote, religious ceremony. Um, and the reason it should be terminated is the, the law of God, so this is a continuation of his quote, um, the law of God designates such ceremonies as murder. Therefore, it is the state's responsibility to stop such, quote-unquote, religious practices okay so when you when you reach that point you're no longer worshiping god and when your religion causes you to murder to steal to do something that is clearly contrary to the law of god then the state has to get involved and the state has to go in and stop you because that's their job they're they're the justice division of society so um here's the part that i want to hear from jake a little bit uh, DeMar went on to say that the church, and here's his quote, should remind state officials what the Bible says about civil affairs. The church, made up of Christians, should be a voice that will encourage the state when it does right and warn and direct the state when it does evil, end quote. In this way, the church is not passive, which is exactly what Jake was just saying. Um, it is active both on a societal and cultural level. So, you know, we've talked about that. There's salt and light. They are uh, changing the hearts and minds of the people because, you know, we know it all starts on an individual level. It has to start from the individual government, self-government, has to then boil up to the family, which then boils up to the church, which then eventually boils up to the civil government. But how do we start changing things? The church gets involved on the lowest government, self-government, right? We, we transform the hearts and minds of the people through the working of the Holy Spirit. Um, so we preach the gospel. We share that message, right? Um, and then God changes their hearts and minds through the working of the Holy Spirit. So it gets involved on that level, but then also it gets involved on a political level. Um, so was that kind of what you were what you were getting at there, Jake? Yeah. Yep. Cool. Cool. Um, so I also added. I wanted to add one final quote. And yes, this is a large quote, but I I really I know this is our last week, last question. I just I wanted to include this because it's it's just such a good quote. Um, I believe it's incredibly important to understand and remember. DeMar said on page 180, and here's his quote, The first myth <clears throat> which most people believe is that a system of law and its principles somehow can be religiously or morally neutral. It must be remembered, however, that neutrality is impossible. Some authority, whether it be God or man, is used as the reference point for all enacted laws. Some authority. That could be God could be man, but one of those two authorities is going to be used as the reference point for all enacted laws. If a political system rejects one authority, it adopts another. If a biblical moral system is not being legislated, then an immoral system is being legislated. Any moral system that does not put Jesus Christ at its center denies Christ. And then he quotes Matthew 6, 24, which says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to one and despise the other. Um, and he also then quoted Matthew uh, 12, 30, which says, he who is not with me is against me. And who, he who does not gather with me scatters. So um, I thought that was really important. I wanted to share that because it's so sad. It's our last week, right? With this, um, and I think that's a really good quote to to kind of wrap things up. So, all right. Anything else you guys want to add before we move on to our TRD community question? No. Nope. All right, then. We, yeah, you're right, Jake. We are moving along very quickly with the show. <laughs> hey, but today's episode. Yes. Yeah, go ahead, Joe. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with having a shorter show. That's right. <laughs> yeah. We certainly won't get complaints about the length this time not that we've gotten a ton of complaints previously but you know um all right so here we go moving on to our trd community question um you've heard from us 
Now we want to hear from you. Send us an email this week with your answer to our TRD community question. Also, feel free to add your answer as a comment to the TRD uh, community question on uh, Gab. We have a Gab post. We post our community question on Gab every week. So if you aren't following us on Gab already, make sure you get on Gab and follow us there. That's where we post all sorts of awesome stuff. So definitely check us out there. Um, Yeah, Joe says, indeed, do it. and then uh, you can email us your answer to this question at our uh, show email, which is trdshow at protonmail.com. So definitely send your answer there as well if you don't want to send it on the Gab page. We did get some. Uh, we did get an answer or uh, to our previous question, That's good. Um, which was really cool. So I, I uh, we don't have time to quote the whole thing, but um, our question last week were uh, was, what are the ways that you can get your church involved in your local community? If your church is already involved, we'd love to hear how. We heard from um, actually the same person who answered our question last week, which was really cool, and he answered on our uh, on our Gab page, and he said that uh, his church is is involved in the community and the, the pregnancy center, involved um, helping um, people on on that level, which is neat. And he said that the church should be available to help people who are poor, who are having um, you know, let's say he gave the example of somebody's house that burnt down. Um, if they're you know if they're struggling, they should know that they can go to the church for help, which is you know absolutely true. Uh, that's what we were talking about last week as well. Was you know you can look to the church. You should be able to look to the church for for those sorts of things. So um, our question this week. So uh, first of all, thank you so much for your comment. Thank you for for uh, answering our community question. We'd love to hear from more of you as well. So if you have an answer to any of the previous questions and you want to comment on our Gab page, feel free to do that. Comment on any of our questions previously, and we'll bring up your comment on the show. Um, but also, um, moving forward, we'd love to hear from you. So, all right, here we go. This is this week's question. Woohoo! Woohoo! All right. What are some of the things preventing you or your church from changing the culture around you? Just repeat, what are some of the things preventing you specifically you or your church from changing the culture around you. We want to hear about it. What, why are you not able to change the culture around you? What are the blockades to that? And then how can you remove those blockades? So what's in your way? How do you get it out of there? How do you move that? Um, so yeah, we, we want to hear about it because uh, sometimes we might know what we need to do we um, understand where we need to be societally, but we don't really like we, we are trying to get there, but there's something blocking us. Maybe we don't know what to do. That's a blockade in and of itself. We don't know what we can do on our day-to-day, um, you know, in our day-to-day lives to change the culture and bring God back into every area of life and to put Caesar back in his realm. How do we do that? So... We want to hear from you. Anything else you guys want to add uh, to this question? No. No, it's cool. it's definitely an important question to to ask, though, because, I mean, some of you or even some of us are like, we never thought about that before. Yes. Or, yeah. or um, we're like, how do we help? Or just it, knowing other Christians are out there and are having the same yes. struggle, yeah. either having the same struggle or have been able to um, I don't want to say combat that struggle or have been able to figure these answers out is always helpful. For sure. Yeah. Because yep. the verse that comes to my mind is iron sharpens iron. Mm. Yep. Yes, indeed. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, uh, Jake and Joe as well for uh, adding what you've uh, what you've brought here today. That was very cool. Um. Very sad to see our, you know, our book be put back on the shelf, but we are picking up a very exciting book and exciting topic starting next week. So if you want a sneak peek into what the new book is for uh, the month of November, you're going to have to follow us on our Gab page. And this week we'll be posting our new book and a link to buy uh, the new book for the month of November. So make sure you check us out on our Gab page. And while you're there, you can like some of our posts. You can comment on our uh, TRD community question. You can do a whole bunch of stuff. Our Gab page is really starting to fill up. Um, We're putting a whole bunch of things on there every week. So very, very exciting. So we'll be picking up that new theme, that new book uh, next month. 
But uh, again, thank you all so much for listening to us and for watching us. Don't forget, you can share our website, share the show with as many people as you possibly can by going to our website, which is drdshow.net, and there you'll find a list of links to all of the many platforms we're on. Share that link with everybody you can think of who might be interested in our show. Also, you can email the show if you have an answer to the TRD community question and you don't want to put it on Gap, you can email us your answer at uh, trdshow at protonmail.com. And uh, that's where you can send all of your questions, all that kind of stuff there. We'd be, uh, that would be awesome. We're looking forward to hearing from you. But uh, thank you again so much. And uh, we will see you in the next episode. And remember, everyone, in all that you do, do as unto the Lord. <laughs>